Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Uh, well, here we are outside uh, an unassuming semi-detached to interview England coach Eddie Jones about his forthcoming album. Um, when we uh, were talking about Eddie Jones earlier in the series, Brodie remarked that he looked a little bit like Frank Sidebottom, and I was surprised to find that uh, Brodie was right and that Eddie Jones's head is made of paper mache. Um, so let's let's uh, listen in on the interview now. I'm going to knock on the door. Hello. Hello, young man. Come in, come in. Mom, mom, pop kettle on. Pop kettle on. Um, well, thanks for being to speak to us, Eddie. Let me just close the door, son. That's better, right. What do you want to know? Um, well, what, what made you want to record the album? Well, I saw the other lads off telly, Nick Knowles and that bloke off Pointless were doing all right about their album, and I quite fancy myself as a bit of a singer, you know. So I just thought, why not? Everyone loves a little bit of Eddie at the moment, and you've got to capitalise on it while you can. Plus, my mum just cleared out the shed in the garage, and she said I could use it in my den like, and I thought maybe I could make myself a little recording studio, lay down some tracks and that. Um, you've called it Eddie Jones Dancing With Myself, um... And you've included a cover of Billy Idol's um, Dancing With Myself on the album. What what made you decide on that song? Dancing with myself, I'm dancing with myself. I'm Eddie Jones and I'm all alone and I'm dancing with myself. I'm dancing with myself, I'm dancing with myself. I'm Eddie Jones and I'm all alone. Because I like dancing by myself, you know, um, I'm a right good dancer, but no one can keep up with my moves. Uh, I sometimes like to vary the speed and my movements, but not everyone's into it, you know. I tried it with my mum in the kitchen, but it just didn't feel right. Um, right, okay. Um, elsewhere on the album, there's a cover of the theme from Flash Gordon by Queen. Um, but, but all you seem to have done is just replaced the word Flash with Hask. Um, some people might just say that's a bit of a lazy cash-in. People might have expected a bit more for their money. Ask, ask in your fear possible. Oh no, no, ask. Ah, it's safe, everyone of us. Well, that's what you would say, isn't it? You're always putting me down, trying to say I talk mints all the time. It's not fair. I'm just trying to bring a bit of fun and sunshine into people's lives. What's wrong with that? Um, well, tell us about the song that you wrote for the album, um, Fish Fingers for Tea. Name is Eddie Jones and I manage the England team I like to have fish fingers for me tea Something, 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 something else Do, 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 do Well, one night my mum brought me my tea and it was my favourite fish fingers and smiley faces and beans and I thought, hey, this would make a fabby do song It pretty much wrote itself My mum really likes it um, any plans to um, to tour the album? Well, I don't like to say, but we are in talks with the Albert Hall. Well, that's that's very impressive. Yeah, the Albert Hall and Swanich is going to be me and Paul Gustard on keyboards, like, go west. 
we're starting practicing of an evening like um, and how do you manage to fit it all in around your job as England coach well it's not hard is it I just turn up and say something funny to you a lot the coaching side of things looks after itself so long as I put food out for the lads they pretty much sort themselves out we go over to wrestling in the morning, then it's mum's broccoli cheese bake for lunch. She cooks us meals, you know. Then in the afternoon it's more wrestling and then home at lunchtime for the three o'clock. Now, uh, turning to the weekend and the rugby, uh, because I have to ask, do you expect a comfortable England win? Oh yes, I think we'll win by quite a margin. My lads can run really, really fast, you know. Faster than your lads anyway, and that, what's, that's what's going to win it for us. Plus, we've got some really fat lads too, and you need some fat lads to win rugby matches, don't you? Uh, any particular threats you've identified in the Scotland team at all, Eddie? I think that Stuart lad, he's very good with the crazy legs. He likes to jump and jump and that, you know, catch ball. He's very good. He can kick it really, really far. I like him. I think we need to watch out for him. Uh, then there's the Welsh lad, Hugh. Hugh, yeah, I like Hugh. He can run a bit. Um, and uh, what's Jimmy McBigballs? What's the, the name of the small lad from Manchester that bounces off everything? I like him a lot. Uh, well, thank you, Eddie. Um, can we just ask when the album's out? Uh, it's available now if you send the stamped addressed envelope and postal order to my PO box address. Once I get that through, I'll burn a copy and send it straight out. Eddie Jones, thank you very much. Welcome back to the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast with me, Cami Black. Still with me are Brody Smithers. Hello. And Ian here. Hello again. Uh, it's the second podcast of the week. If you've missed the first one, we'll just wait here until you're caught up. Right, that'll do. Uh, so you already know we're on Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Acast, all of that sort of thing because you listened to the last episode and I don't need to tell you about it again. Um, let's start. Guys, um, Glasgow and Edinburgh from the weekend. Um, Ian, you were at the Glasgow game. Was it was it as mental as it looked on the telly? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was one of those sort of typical uh, Glasgow against the lower team games. Um, yeah, we still seem to be managing to pull off some incredible results, scoring tries for fun. Uh, that's us qualified now for the playoffs, uh, six games remaining. Um so yeah, it was a crazy game, but uh, you know, big plus points for uh, George Horn again. He's been fantastic. Now scored nine tries this season, and uh, Adam Hastings, who's also looking very good, um, so, and the return of Tim Swinson is also a massive bonus. So uh, yeah, all things going going good at Scots just now. What do you put that down to then? Because Glasgow struggled, think particularly last year during the Six Nations break. Is that the young players coming through, or is it anything sort of Dave Rennie's done? Do you think? Well. Well, I think like, Dave Rennie signed a bunch of Southern Hemisphere players to cover the Six Nations, but they all seem to be interested at the moment. You know, Callum Gibbons, who made a massive impact at the beginning. Mm. Uh, Lilia Masaga, he's been injured practically the entire time. Um, same with Hallow Nukunuka, who's only just come back. Uh, Ollie Kebble, he's been injured from September. Um, but yeah, it does seem to be the young guys like Matt Smith, Matt Fagerson, who looks like a massive prospect. Um, Horn, who's just in sensational form. Um, and the likes of Hastings and other, you know, the, the more experienced guys have been able to step up. Um, but yeah, uh, some of the competition hasn't been great. Uh, the run-in looks quite tough. Um, but, you know, we've already qualified, so that's one bonus, I suppose. Ian, can I ask you about the Dragons game and um, the 15-all game? Yeah, that was a bit weird. <laughs> well, I finally caught up with it, and it was like, it was like I was hallucinating in the first half, because... There was a point at which Glasgow scored a try and then Adam Hastings was going to take the kick and Richie Vernon appeared to be the um, kind of guy in charge of the kicking tee. Yeah. And he just didn't get it on the pitch and was just yeah. sort of like goofing around. And then Adam Hastings got all annoyed and then drop kicked and missed it. And then Glasgow scored another try and as someone was running in to celebrate, Nico Matawala got punched in the face. And he, was, <laughs> he was a substitute. He'd just come over to sort of like congratulate them and he just got in debt and sort of walked off. And then 10 minutes later, uh, the winger, who's the guy from the Sevens squad who's playing on the wing? Begins with an A. 
Anyway, he had the ball and it was just it had kind of gone out of touch and he was kicking it across for a 22 dropout and he just kind of welted it straight into Nick Gregg's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Gregg had to take a knee and stuff and it was just like, I mean, I know standards kind of slip when there's no internationals there, but I was watching this just going, this is like, this is like Langham or something. <laughs> or is it kicking tea? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we've got Embra, um, who... Um, Oh, like a really, oh, a really, a really horrible team to play against now. Oh, it was magnificent! Did you watch it? That face well, was play like... was like porn. It was just <laughs> superb. They were just smashing and smashing and smashing Ulster and giving away no penalties. And Nigel Owens was just itching to give away a penalty against them, and they just beat them in submission. It was awesome. Exactly my kind of rugby. It was superb. Yeah. I mean, it was that, and it was that sort of flying into the tackles and putting in the big hits that got the turnover, that got the kick up the field, you know, got the penalty up the field, and that and led to the the, the last minute drop goal. It was absolutely, it was just, yeah, it was. And what was what was I thought was quite interesting was, and what was nice to see was Nigel Owens not going to the TMO when the ball was held up over the line. Just yeah. going right, lads. We'll have a scrum rather That's than going. It. Yeah. Uh, it could have been grounded. Let's let's check. Just going. Nah, have a five. Yeah. You know, scrum no five. Nonsense. Yeah, old school, but. I mean, the thing about it that was really good is who would you say was the man of the match? Because I couldn't pick one at all. I thought the whole team were excellent. Well, it, was it Christine made 15 out of 15 tackles and 32 yeah, right. metres from 12 carries? Yeah, I mean, which was great, but I still think they were all, to a player, just stood up. I mean, even Duncan Weir, who doesn't even know what city he's in at the moment, managed yeah. to score the winning drop <laughs> goal. You know, it was like... I just thought it was an excellent performance, really heartening. Whereas the game against Leinster the previous week was a bit, there was problems, it was a bit patchy and they just kind of dug it out and Mark Bennett sort of won it for, for Edinburgh. But, but this week just always felt like they were in with a chance. Um, and it can only be down to Richard Cockrell and obviously the hard work of the players, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> but I think that's true. I mean, he's, he's certainly made them, I mean, they, like just, I watched the last ten minutes of it because I've been sort of flicking in and out of the Glasgow game, and it was just horrible. I mean, from an Ulster point of view, it just looked horrible the way that they were flying into the tackles, and just you can imagine that Ember now becoming a team. I think a lot of teams just won't want to play. Yeah, absolutely, just dogs. It was good though. Well, we're Right, it's time for Where's Doogie Donnelly now. It's our uh, news and rumours section of the podcast. Uh, we were accused last week of being too parochial, uh, so we'll start with the news that Berwick Rugby Club have won the SRU Mitsubishi Evolution Conference. Uh, so well done, Berwick. Ross Ford and Alan Dell were there uh, a couple of weeks ago to make the presentation. Um, I've, I, we, we did put a shout out on Twitter. If anybody else has got any club news, preferably... Uh, national three and below because uh, national one and two get plenty of coverage. But if you've got any club news that you'd like to send uh, through to us at the podcast, we'll happily read it out. Um, Brody, Ian, you got anything parochial you want to put out there? Um, no, I mean Langham uh, had a very tough game against Barton on Saturday, which finished seven three, which is a fairly old school kind of score, um, <laughs> unfortunately to Barton. But yeah, no, um, things have been uh, fairly fairly quiet on the parochial front. Um, well, we'll, we'll, we were talking about Ember before and their, um, the sort of way they're building under Richard Cockrell. And there was the news today that they are definitely leaving Maya side. Um, and uh, the question is, I guess, where are they going to go next? I mean, it's a little bit like, it's a little bit like the littlest hobo of uh, rugby. Um, they've, they've been Maya side. They're now back to the back pictures of, um, back pictures at, um, Murrayfield. Where, where next, Brody? Well, where next indeed? Um, I mean, my heart goes out to Murrayfield Wanderers, who are currently sighted on the back pitches, but their days have been kind of numbered in terms of the 150-year lease coming up. And they're going to get punted to the park, and they will build a kind of mini sort of stadium on the back pitches of Edinburgh, and that'll probably work quite well, I would have thought. Is it the answer, do you think? I think it probably is. I'm loath to say it. When it comes to European competition, it seems to be about car parking and uh, disabled facilities and support facilities and all these things seem to be more important than actually uh, where the stadium is. So 
a lot of the grounds around Edinburgh that you would one would think you could convert, you actually can't. So yeah, I think it's probably the answer. I don't know where Scotland are going to train or whatever, but you know that seems to be a small small point. <laughs> uh, Ian, I mean, you, it's not uh, Glasgow have built quite a a good following at Scots too, and they're now regularly selling out. Do you think the back pitches is is the could be Edinburgh Scotston? Um, I suppose so. If there's not any other kind of options, um, or you know, if they're going to move the football to Murrayfield, maybe Edinburgh could play at Hamden. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, there seems to be an issue with getting attendance at Myerside. Um, you know, obviously, you know, with Edinburgh playing at Murrayfield, unless it's a big game, you've got a, a, a tenth full Murrayfield, so you know, you don't get any kind of. Uh, atmosphere going um, so uh, it's, it's easy to get to Murrayfield so I think if there is a, what, what capacity are they talking about building that stadium does anyone know um, I think they were talking about five to six thousand five six thousand mm. yeah but there was talk as well of um, Spartans football club building a ground on Broughton's ground that could be fit for purpose as well for Edinburgh so I don't know I mean it's to be honest if, if you live in Edinburgh like I do and have done for the past 10-15 years this stuff comes around all the time you know it's a ground share with Easter Road it's going to be uh, you know the, the Harriet Watt the Orium was going to be their ground for a while then it was Tyne Castle and then you know and then you go through all the Megatland, Myersides, Inverleith, you know, it, Rayburn Place, and they're doing the redevelopment down there. Could Edinburgh Rugby go and do that as well? It's just, it's endless. What about um, Meadowbank Stadium? Has that ever been? Uh, yeah, well, that was always muted. They played there for a while, didn't they? And then there was muted going back there, and they're redeveloping that now, but it seems to be that, I don't know, it's owned by Edinburgh Leisure or something. It's just all a bit kind of, it's a, it's a moving feast with actually no nourishment. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of Edinburgh as well, a lot of players um been announced leaving. We've got Connell Dupree, Jason Tovey, Duncan Weir and Sam Hill to go climb. Brody, um, big losses or about time they went? No, the only one I'm a bit, is, uh, a bit annoyed about is Sammy Hidalgo Klein because um, I think he's actually a really good player and I think he played, he proved that against Ulster actually um, the other night. He was he was excellent. Um, he's got a bit of the dog about him. I like him as a player and I think he'll be a loss. But the others, I mean, Dupree, we all hate him now because of the Wales game, you know, he's just no, <laughs> no longer fit to wear any shirt ever. Um <laughs> Uh, Toby's not exactly set the header on fire, and Donkey Weir is, well, bless, he's Donkey Weir. <laughs> but, you know, if he's got a gig down south, then great. You know, uh, he, should, he should go for that. Yeah. Um, any comings and goings um, that I've missed it um, in the, on the West Coast at all, Ian, or is that. No, it that seems to be. Right? It seems to be pretty quiet on the, uh, the Western Front. Um, the only sort of news is that uh, Josh Horn signed a contract extension. Uh, till next year, but you know, I think they should try and get him locked down on a on a permanent contract. Um, uh, but um, no, at the moment it's uh, it's a little bit quiet there. Obviously, you know, Finn Russell's leaving, um, but uh, reinforcements still to be rumoured. Apart from James Haskell, <laughs> well, yeah, which, <laughs> still to be confirmed. Although he was in the disappointingly was in the papers this week saying he's desperate to stay in England so he can make the World oh, Cup squad. So that that, that is that devastating. Was, I know that's put paid Actually, for that. You know what? I met somebody like uh, my pal Robbo. <laughs> met him on Saturday, and for a little second there, I thought maybe it's not such a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> you know, he's got a bit of a dog in him. We've uh, we've been overpowered in Europe uh, this year. That's been a common issue, apart from last season. You know, he's uh, he's a proven winner. All right, he's a terrible human being, but um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it'd be quite you, fun. it's a good yeah. move. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. It's a great move. Tartan branded products. They do just awful. I, just, I can't wait. I'd have one of those Tartan scrum caps like Strauss. Just oh. to prove, you know, I'm, I've gone full jock. <laughs> I think it's it's one of those things that so you be careful what you wish for. You know, like those old, old proverbs where people find a, like a monkey's hand that grants you five wishes <laughs> and the, the hand curls every time you grant a wish and the last finger as it curls in sort of one of your close family members dies. Um, that it's, that feels like what would happen if James Haskell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
that that's that's what it would feel like signing James Haskell. It would feel like finding a monkey's hand that grants you five wishes. <laughs> We're a cursed monkey's hand away from tragedy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it'd be like you know when like Paul Gascoigne signed for Rangers, and there was all these stories yeah. about he got a mini cab here at three in the morning, or when yeah. Charlie Sheen was set loose in Glasgow. And you know, there's all these stories about him sort of like trying to buy crack in Easter House and stuff. It'd be like that. <laughs> Ask him, but he'd just be like pestering people at gyms and stuff. It just, uh, I think it'd be excellent. <laughs> um, the English press would be able to name at least one Scottish club rugby player as well. Well, yeah, <laughs> swings and roundabouts. Um, the uh, one rumour that that, that, it, that was out, uh, I think last week I saw uh, kicking about, is that Stuart Hogg is going to be the best played, best paid player in Europe um, and it's a one million move to Montpellier on the cards I mean it felt inevitably and I mean the SR you're going to be hard pressed to keep him around I would have thought yeah, well that's um, that's towards the end of the next that's for 2019 his contract runs up and obviously I think the rumour mills just chucked Montpellier in there because Vern Cotter's there yeah. uh, I, I do think you know eventually you know if I'm going head heart art on this my head says he's going to have to leave Glasgow at some point. It's a short career. Um, he wants to earn as much money as possible, and he's a global superstar. Um, let's be quite sort of frank about that. Um, the only thing that I might have considered, heart-wise, maybe changed his opinion, um, you know, would be that he's only just had his second kid. He's got a young family, uh, so maybe he might not want to uproot them to France. But I can see him probably going to England. Two uh, words for you, okay? Right. Poik. <laughs> the Lions. Okay, Hoggy does not want to be far away from Hoik. I can tell you one thing: he cares about two things: Hoik and Scotland. Glasgow, quite far down the pecking order. He does not want to yep. be too far away from Hoik. He's got the Lions coming up in a few years' time. He doesn't want to be playing in France for that. He'll stay. Think you'll stay in Glasgow? I do. Ah right. well, or or if. To stay close to Hoyk, does he move to the Newcastle Falcons? Ah, which no, brings us on to our next. Which well, brings us on to the next. It's seamless, seamless. Uh, news today. Me, news today. The SRU are now looking at twenty percent stake in the Falcons rather than buying Worcester outright. Um, I mean, you. It's not. I mean, the Falcons are hemorrhaging a hell of a lot of money. I think it's something like two million a season. Um, so they need the injection of cash. It's not, but they, they they've got good systems there in terms of they've got good youth set up. Um, They've got to bring a lot of young players through. Um, is that sensible? Do you think, given I mean the the, the number of dual qualified players you're going to have in the northeast, Brody? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like. I've got a lot of respect for Mark Dodson. I think he's a a very good CEO. I think what he's done for Scottish rugby has been utterly, you know, transformative of of the game as we know it in a good way. But I wish he'd stop trolling the English Premiership. It's like he's got this kind of obsession with like, I'm going to buy Worcester Warriors. Not I'm going to get a bit of Newcastle Falcons. I know what I'll do is I'll, I'll parachute a Scottish team into the, you know, it's just stop it. Okay. Stop it. I know, I know there's money there and I know that it's like, you know, he wants to make a big splash and stuff, but it's just like, nah, what have we got to gain from that? Well, I, get, I, I suppose it's the dual. Like, if you get that, I mean, I was going to say you get the likes of Chris Harris, but the less said about that, the better. Um, <laughs> Grant Shields. Uh, Grant Shields, yeah. Um, I suppose that you, you widen the pool and that you do have somewhere for those dual registered players to go. There is, uh, It's not too far away from Scotland. It's only a 20% in stake as well. We're not. It's not a, a whole buyout. Um, but, but why yeah. not? You know, if if we wanted a team that's in financial trouble and struggling for a, a, a crowd, why not just have the borders again? You know, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same thing. Plus, players can't dual reg in the sense that if you're a player registered for the RFU, you can't play any games for the SRU unless they're international games. So it's not like we can swap players backwards and forwards particularly easily um, between Edinburgh, Glasgow, and, and the Falcons. So I, I just well, yeah. Dunkey, Dunkey, we just came back from Worcester and, and kicked a drop goal. So. Let's he not be did. Too I, I don't know where he is right now because he must have gone. He must have gone Worcester, Belfast, <laughs> and Edinburgh. Worcester, Edinburgh, Belfast. I don't know. Yeah, never mind. Where's Dougie Donnelly? Where's Dunkey Weir right <laughs> now? Does Dunkey Weir know? Do you think it's like you know, like when the on the last day of the Premiership, the English, you know, the the, the football and the Premiership when it's between two teams and they have the 
sort of premiership trophy in a car between two grounds. Do you think that's what Dunkey Weir is in a constant state of now? <laughs> I think he was just hovering over the Isle of Man. <laughs> Helicopter donkey. Um, yeah. So, um, Ian, bad idea then? Investing in the Falcons? I don't know. I've only just sort of... Well, I mean, it's all just so prospective. Um, there was a great quote, quote actually from uh, Samore Kirby, the Falcons owner. Who said that uh, he said what we are talking about is a marriage, and we haven't even gone on our first date. <laughs> That's right up there with Scott Johnson and his bikini talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the Worcester thing was just it just sounded mental from the outset. Um, the Newcastle thing sounds a bit less mental, but only because Worcester sounded so just off the scale. Um, the whole thing about maybe building a third pro team it seems to never get off the ground. Uh, is, it, is this maybe an admission the Super 6 isn't going to work as I know brody has been quite uh, critical of that in the past um, but I don't know it just it strikes me as all a bit odd yeah we'll file it away as odd for the moment um, more news as we get it um, we haven't had any dear Jim Telfer submitted this week um, we've had um, a, con- a congratulations to uh, Jim Telfer from uh, Graham Love on Twitter, who says, congratulations, Jim, on becoming Simon Bergen's media coach. Um, <laughs> Actually, uh, which, um, I forgot to ask, uh, the reviews you read out, what were the star yeah. ratings? Uh, both five stars. Five stars? Goodness me. Both five stars, so that's good to see. Uh, like I said, we, we, I'll only read out any reviews that are three stars and above. Um, th- we've had a couple of one-star reviews, and I read one out for a oh. laugh, but then... I think off the back of that, somebody thought it'd be funny to leave us another one-star review. So <laughs> I decided I'd just nip that in the bud. Yeah, good call. Uh, but on 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 Simon Bergen becoming, um, uh, you know, Jim Telf becoming Simon Bergen's uh, media coach, we might as well move on and talk about the main thing that we've got to talk about. Uh, and I'll just play uh, the next jingle. Ian, don't talk. Oh, who know? Head, heart, and arse. Yeah, it's time for head, heart, and us. Uh, we will look ahead to the England game, do our Calcutta Cup preview after the uh, one uh, that we kindly had from uh, Adam, James, and Ross. Um, Brody, do you want to start? Head. Um, not, not really, but I'll get on with it. <laughs> Go on. My head says head. England will win. Yep. Um, and yeah, I'm not proud of my head. Um, and I, I hope it doesn't happen, but pragmatically speaking, if I was a gambling man, I had to put my mortgage on it, I would put it on England, unfortunately. Ian, is your your head similarly level-headed and sensible as Brodie's? Yes, my head is, unfortunately, in the same place as Brodie's. Um, we are most likely going to lose. Uh, England are just a kind of you know, a juggernaut at the moment. They scrape wins out, even if they're playing badly. Um, yeah, so the head says we lose. I mean, can you see if we go go to heart, which I assume you've you've both gone with, we win. Yes, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> my um, secret is exposed. How how do I mean that? Uh, how do Scotland beat a team like England? I, mean, I think they've lost once, haven't they, to Ireland at the end of last year's Six Nations? And is is there a way to beat this England team that's Scotland are capable of carrying out Brody. Um, can I quote Simon Bergen? You can do, yes. So, uh, well, you get a good look at England next week, but it's going to be a big old match, isn't it? I remember coming off the pitch last year and thinking, far out, that team was really well drilled. It felt like I... they didn't seem to put a foot wrong, which basically tells you you have to take every chance against them. You have to play well, make chances and take them. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'm uh, I'm really impressed at Simon Bergen's Australian accent. Yeah, he's good, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Mel- Melbourne, I think. <laughs> that's, that's a misspent youth watching Home and Away. <laughs> um, so that that's it. Duke, what far out? That's that's the um, that's your far great out. plan. Really well out. drilled. <laughs> There's bagpipes and everything. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, to beat England, we're going to have to play out of our skin. Um, we're going to have to not make any errors and 
yeah, basically just pressurize them in attack and hope that they get on the wrong side of the referee and their heads start to go down and the crowd starts to get on top of them and mm. basically we can get a foothold and yeah, it's going to have to be a psychological victory, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can do what we did, we've did. we done in the last two games against Wales and France and start slowly against England because that's going to mean it's a long, long, long afternoon. <laughs> um, you would, I, But I think if we can get up, I think you're right, I think if we can get out the gates, as it were, and, and get in their faces and just smash them back for the first 10 minutes and just pose them some questions. Who knows? Ian, is that you know? Is that all we've got to hope for? Yeah, I mean, we have to hope that Finn's back on the magic, um, and as well, you know, it's all about the stopping them creating yardage. Uh, you know, I think if you look at the packs, we are probably going to get monsters up front. Uh, we always seem to be late in there, but you know, if we can keep them, keep them moving, keep them turning, keep the ball pin, keep them pinned back, keep the ball deep in their half, you know, just you know. One of our main things is the fact that we can counter-attack brilliantly. So if we can just you know, get a sniff of a chance, and if they're having an off day, we might win. But uh, you know, realistically, we are... Yeah, but this is the hard part. So yeah, we're going to yeah. play brilliantly and we're going to win. Yeah. Fred yeah. Russell's going to have a magic game. Hogs will score a couple of screamers. It'll be beautiful and glorious. Yeah. I think well, I mean, we need to stick 30 points on them if we're going to have a standard chance. Um... Yeah, near enough 30, yeah. But isn't it wonderful to be in the position where we've got a chance? You know, we've got yeah. we've got like a puncher's chance in boxing. You know, we can we could we could we've got the tools to to beat him. You know, it's not like we're sort of looking at this going, oh, let's hope Chris Patterson can kick more. It's a bit like, well, actually, Hugh Jones, um, Hogg, <laughs> uh, Finn Russell. You know, we've got some players who can cause some damage. Um, yeah. You know, we've got some proven Premiership players, and it's, you know, it's just great to have that chance, that hope to be killed. Yeah. <laughs> and as 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 bad as things were last last time around last year, you know, Gordy Reid scored. He did. <laughs> um. Okay then. Um. Uh, arse. I mean, my arse is that we get nilled again. <laughs> yeah, my arse is a humiliation. With the uh, spoilt Victorian child on Farrow <laughs> and Mike Brown spearheading yeah. that with Farrow Itoji and yeah, yeah, that's my arse. Yeah, <laughs> I think yours is yours is similar. My, my arse is very similar to Brody's. So here, um, no, just Farrow like, Itoji just does man nothing. It's uh, the 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 debacle at Twickenham last year, right? One thing that really me off more than getting hammered was when he like patted John Barkley on the head, rubbed his head like a petulant child, and John Barkley yeah. told him to f off, and Raynal reversed the penalty. It was like, hang on, You've got a, a small child, you know, aggravating, <laughs> aggravating a crafty veteran here. I think he's allowed to tell him to f off. Um, no, it's. I think I don't mind it told you too much because if he played for Scotland, we'd love him. I don't know. See, I don't like too much of an. Uh, like, How much is too much? Probably, probably. I don't know. That's a question. <laughs> you know, How much is too much? Can, do I, I think it's the, well? it. Well, yeah, well, I'm going to have to. Yeah, <laughs> Luckily, this is the second episode, so I've got a few days to go through this bit. Thank <laughs> oh, <laughs> for that. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was what we were talking about before. Is that we you know we, we lack we lack the and and. I think you're probably right. I think there's an element that we don't like them in Scotland, but that's not necessarily. But we well, need them. Yeah, we, and, like and our, I, we like our cheeky wee. It's like Greg Laidlaw and stuff like that, but we don't yeah. like our big bully. Yeah, our I mean, Richie, I, I've got uh, Richie Gray is great at getting involved, but but smiling when he does it, um, yep. as opposed to Xander Ferguson, who just goes looking for trouble at the slightest. Uh, the slightest so, thing. When you first mentioned Richie Gray, I just imagined him like standing with his hand outstretched on Danny Kerr's head, and Danny Kerr's swinging aimlessly at him, trying to reach him, but he's just got no chance. Yeah, it's like you know, just holding him down like a nah, you can't reach me, son. Ah. <laughs> um, 
We've seen a couple of comments um, on the blog. Um, I think ev- pretty much as soon as the France game finished, everyone turned their attention to the Calcutta Cup. Uh, there was Scrummel um, on the player ratings who said the only change to the starting 15 that I would even consider would be Denton in at six with Barkley moving to the bench. If you can't drop the captain, then Watson moving to the bench instead would give you an incredible impact player for the last half hour. England's pack is massive, so I think Denton's bulk is needed for one of them. I actually I actually would like to see Denton starting. Um and I would agree with Scrummel. Actually, I think on the base of last week, I would I would drop Barkley if you've got Laidlaw back in. I thought Barkley played well, but I'm not. I think for the balance in the back row, you could have Denton, Wilson, and Watson, and bring Barkley on. But I don't know whether or not um, Denton's hair negates that. <laughs> um, or would you consider Strauss over Denton? I, I definitely uh, would go. I'd prefer Strauss over Denton. Um, I prefer Denton over Strauss. Uh, see the Barkley thing. Think... I'm interested in because I'm a massive John Barkley fan, but he's mm. not been very good the last two weeks. Um, no, and I think I think if if Townsend's got to carry on his sort of ruthless streak that he seems to have found, sort of the ruthless Tony Tombola that he seems to have um, uncovered, um, I would like to see Barkley dropped to the bench because I, th- I think that would. I think it gives other players a chance. I think it gives him a bit of a shot across the bows that just because you're captain doesn't mean you're going to yeah, start, start every game, game automatically. Yeah, and and that nobody's place is safe, which I think sets a marker down for everybody else as well. I like. I think I like the reason I like Denton over Strauss is that Denton makes more yards than Strauss does. Strauss looks good, but when you actually look at the number of yards Strauss makes at international level, it's not many. And he stands up too tall in the tackle, and I just yeah, I prefer Denton. I think Denton sort of he looks massively clumsy when he's doing it. He just looks like he's constantly tripping and falling over himself. But some he can make he'll make ten twenty yards a time doing it because I think he just baffles everyone else around him, including the opposition uh, players. I think is he, is he, is he yeah, he's like is he falling down? Is he is he <laughs> well, running with the ball? Is he <laughs> is he tripping over? I don't understand what's happening. Where Strauss is like, oh, he's just going to run out of slides. Just we'll just stop him. Um, but yeah, I I mean I I guess either, but I think it'd be, we need either. I, I guess we need a Strauss or a Denton eight. I think against England. Um, I disagree. I would keep okay. the team exactly the same. Um, and same I would, fifteen from last week. Yes, and I would yeah. keep Barkley. I think he's done enough over the past few years to prove that he's a good captain uh, and that he deserves to start this game. And I don't think Denton's got a bit of a kind of um, Emperor's New Clothes vibe about him where people are saying off the back of sort of what actually wasn't an amazing 20 minutes against France. It was a good 20 minutes, but it wasn't a world-beating 20 minutes. Um, I would much rather stick with Barkley on the strength of what he's done. Um, We will get a response from Barkley, and the same as we'll get a response from Russell as well. Okay. Uh, Either you pick up any other um, comments from the blog? I have one from Ross on the player ratings piece. Um, Here are the facts. We haven't beaten England for 10 years. We have a best team in 10 years. So do England. England are also probably the best team in the competition. Their strengths are our weaknesses in terms of ball carrying and game control. Finn has had a poor two games and probably underperformed for his club this season, but it's also not like he's done nothing of note in those games and certainly does not deserve a zero against France, as one or two have suggested. Um, He has also given us given us our country's best performances at 10 in probably about 20 years against big teams like Ireland, Wales, New Zealand and Australia. Performances at 10 from Laidlaw, Horn, Hogweir or anyone else have not come close to that. My conclusion, nothing but Finn Russell playing at his best will be enough to beat England in two weeks. So play him. If he doesn't perform, then drop him from Ireland and Italy. I think that's spot on. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that's a fair shout. Outside of, apart from Hog at 10, obviously. But Yeah. Uh, you prefer uh, Kinghorn because... there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Kinghorn, Kinghorn at fifteen, Hog at ten goes without saying. Um, Ian, have you picked up any uh, any comments off the vlog? Um, yes, uh, there was uh, well one commenter had made his squad for England and had completely left Hamish Watson out of the twenty-three. Um, <laughs> Callum eighty-six has uh, said, "Why has Hamish Watson been left out? Arguably our best performer over the first two games, and for some time before then." For me, Peter Horn, and it pays me to say this, Laidlaw deserves a starting spots as well. 
Um, and now, uh, sorry, I should have added at number 20, uh, Cornell Dupree has been picked. So Callum has ended with, I would also remove Dupree from the team, the squad, and international rugby. Burn the witch. Burn the witch. Pretty harsh, but, uh, you know. You know, if there's uh, Wilson, Denton, Strauss to come in, then I suppose Cornell's got to make way. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think with the move to Worcester, I'd be very surprised if we saw Cornell Dupree in a Scotland shirt again. I might be. Uh, I might we be said that about Strauss, though, didn't we? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was surprised. Like, I only found out that Dupree's 26. I thought he was about 30 odd by now. Um, but no, he's only 26, so maybe he's got a couple of years to pick up a couple of crafty skills. Um, but I what actually caring seeming to care about the game he's playing <laughs> putting more than two tackles in 40 minutes would be nice uh... yeah um, anything else from either of you on the Calcutta Cup or is it too depressing uh, a, 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 a thing to think about at this stage of the week I think the subs I would probably bring Nell Bennett and Visser in for Harris Kinghorn and John Welsh respectively there was a lot of talk, I think, on the... I think it was on Twitter this week. It might have been Gav was getting in a discussion with someone about the prospect of maybe even uh, only going with two backs on the bench. Mm, nah. 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 <laughs> nah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Gav. <Yeah. laughs> I thought, there's me thinking, oh, that'll be an interesting talking I, point I, on the I, podcast. <laughs> Overruled. <laughs> Overruled, somebody, no. somebody else had picked a squad which had no replacement hooker. Uh, just go to that man and I like him last the full 80 minutes. It's like, yeah, but if he doesn't, then... Uh, well, uncontested scrums might be a bonus, actually, so I will go that. Well, no, th- there was that thing this week that they've clar- World Rugby have clarified um, oh, the issue of uncontested scrums, and if you, if it's your fault now that you go down uncontested scrums because you've got a player off, uh, then you have to lose another player as well from the pitch. So you actually right. lose two... If you, if you get a prop sent off... And you have to bring, uh, but you haven't got one to bring back on. So you go on contested scrums. You have to also lose another player. Right. <laughs> that might up. be all right if the alternative is Scott Lawson. <laughs> <laughs> or what if you're French and you say they have to go for an HIA? Well, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't oh, sorry, know what did, that, did that seem racist? That I ho- really hope it wasn't. But they they have a bit of a notorious background on this one so yeah that wasn't an anti-French comment I don't that's think just that's an yeah I think that's I think it's fine cool yeah. Seems that's part of my hand and rock maybe about that so you know yeah that's okay we'll, 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 wait. We'll, we'll save it for that um, yeah. I think that's probably it then for the Calcutta Cup for the minute anyway we'll um, sorry we'll, can I just we'll add one more it. thing I've been like Go on, I, then. Just, I just sound I've been f- overly negative about Finn Russell over this uh, duration of this. So i just like you put on record that I effing well love Finn Russell. He's, he's a great player. Um, he's the most exciting player I think I've ever seen playing for Scotland. And he's my favourite player for the Warriors, even though he's now leaving. So Alex Dunbar's now getting promoted again. Um, but yeah, everyone who's saying that Finn Russell should be dropped, no, nah, you're wrong. He, the man must stay. He's the most important player for Scotland. And I'll do. There was a very worrying uh, tweet that Ali Price sent out this morning, um, where someone had said, had asked him to marry him. Said, <laughs> said, my dad says I've got to marry a, a Scotland player. How about it, Ali Price? And he quote tweeted it and said, um, I don't think you've thought this through. Finn Russell has to do everything for me. <laughs> <laughs> which which worried me immensely because there was, the, I just. I can't like, imagine if, the state of their flat if Finn Russell's the yeah, responsible one in that relationship. It's just like, my God, do they have cheese on toast stuck to the ceiling or something? It's just, it's just horrendous. You can just imagine Green Gladwell walking into their flat. <laughs> imagine the look on his face. Why is this, boys? <laughs> Clean it up right now. <laughs> Yeah, I can. Yeah, I just I can only imagine the state of their grill pan. Right, let's let's do this. Ian, don't talk. Fantasy no. League, fantasy league. We're gonna have a chat about a fantasy league, fantasy league, fantasy league. It's time to have a chat about a fantasy league. 
Yeah, it's time to have a chat about Fantasy League now. Um, we have got a Super Brew League up and running. Um, if you are wanting to join, there are details on the podcast page on the website and there's also a link somewhere else on uh, the blog. Um, now, Brody, no. why why <laughs> does your team not have a name and why do, are you like languishing in 150th position with lots of other people that don't seem to have team names? My team does have a name. It's uh, Denton's Hair Impact Assessment, or at least it should be. Um, and I am actually not in 150th position, Cameron. I am on 193rd <laughs> of, of 216. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, some people who haven't picked a team. I am literally doing. I, I think I would do better if. It was a, I don't know, a Chinese snooker fantasy league or a, an American college lacrosse fantasy league because I don't think I could do any worse, to be honest. I managed to I... keep Lee Happany in my team uh, yeah. while simultaneously dropping Johnny May, um, who subsequently scored two tries. I dropped Hugh Jones um, in favour of Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell, who scored exactly zero points between them. So I don't really know. I give up a bit. But I'll still have a pop at it for next week. I I have shot up from ninety third to twenty ninth. You what? <laughs> yes. And I tell you what I did is I just picked everybody that was playing. I, I just picked a load of Irish backs. Mm. See, I, I did that. My captain. That was my yeah. pick for last year. Yeah. I did that too. I picked Bundyaki, and he only scored one try. Yeah. Well, the secret is to make one of them your captain. I can't remember. It was, um, I made one of the Irish lads my captain. I can't remember who it was. See, I think Lee Hafferty was my captain. Oh, dear. See, last yeah. year against Italy, I picked CJ Stander as my captain, and he scored a hat-trick. And I, yeah. had him as a, I had him as my captain this week, and he didn't even start. So, uh, he's <laughs> still got like 16 a... points or something, but it's yeah. uh, kind of rubbish. That might be where you're going wrong. Um, how are you yeah. doing, Ian, in general? Because I couldn't find you. Are you there? Uh, I'm doing pretty um, I, like, okay. my, my, my girlfriend heard my podcast for the other week when I was like oh, I'm quite confident about my team and she went you sound like a smug um, <laughs> um, and yes it's now reflected I'm 120th out of 216 on the blog right oh that must be uh, terrible for you well you know it's better than 193rd but, uh, <laughs> but it's still you know I think it was what, 19th last year so I was yeah not, uh, nobody's nobody's doing particularly well. I mean, um, Rory uh, was quite up, up in the well. Rory was up in the sort of the twenties last week, and then has plummeted back down. So I've, me and him are sort of yo-yoing back and forward, and everybody else is from the blog uh, yeah, is doing. I dropped a daft number of places this year. I think uh, this week, I think I dropped sixty-three places this week. Something yeah, like that. but yeah, as as usual, the writers of the blog are doing absolutely terrible. Um, well done to Jimmy's Bros Yellow Jaguars, who is uh, that's Jimmy Bro. Don't know who Jimmy Bro B R O Jimmy B R O, well done. Um, four hundred twenty-three points. Uh, Living Navidi Loka, which is a great name. Um, I like that. Although I did, I was listening to Blood and Mud and that um, chocolate salty. I don't know who that chocolate. I don't know what the name. Chocolate salty something. It's not caught. I don't know the full name, but chocolate salty someone or other has that team. Uh, they're cheating on us with the Blood and Mud League because they read that name out last week as well. Uh, then there's some other good ones here. Um, my f- another one which was a really good um, team name, who's coming at the top ten, up 19 places. In oh wait, Hard Horses Nosebag. Yeah, I'm looking at it right Ev. now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good, that's a strong, strong name. Anyway, if you want to uh, join the Fantasy League and you've got a team in Super Brew, you can still apply to join. If you're joining at this point and you haven't got a team, uh, feel free. You'll probably do better than a lot of the writers will do. Um, we might as well move on now from that um, and we will do uh, this. Yeah, it's time for Hands in the Rock. It's our any other business section of the podcast, the chance for us to talk about what's been bothering us this week. Um, we've had a couple of submissions off uh, the Twitters. Um, Graham Love um, has submitted his own Hands in the Rock, which is the BBC tweet uh, where about it being a rest weekend in the Six Nations uh, and everyone being up in arms about it because there was other rugby on. Um, 
Graham was just saying that some of the replies were a bit sanctimonious. And I think he's probably right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the it's the one time of the year where everybody actually bothers about rugby outside of the people that are geeky about it. And I've seen quite a few comments kicking about about fair weather fans and the like. And I, you know, at the end of the day, we're you know, it's the Six Nations. It's exciting, and we're allowed to be disappointed with the quality of rugby that's on when it's not when when it's a rest week. I think. What's wrong with that? It's a fact, surely, that it's a rest week in the Six Nations. <laughs> what's well, what's they, too sanctimonious yeah, about it? They had, a, they had a, Fulton, you know. it had a, a. It was accompanied by a gif of a man crying. Uh, okay. So I think that. Oh, well, that's the, all right then. <laughs> the, the implication was that there's no rugby on. I think, and a lot of yeah. people took that to heart. So this is ridiculous. There's you know Enbrown versus Ulster and Glasgow versus the Southern Kings. Langham versus <laughs> Barton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get to a game, um, but yeah, no, I, I thought Graham was spot on with that. I think it was a light-hearted tweet. I think people will have reacted to it. Um, the other one uh, was all generalist Alan McDonald on Twitter, um, who said uh, people who feel self mortification is the only acceptable response to a missed touch finding kick. Um, I think it's just in response to a lot of people overreacting about Finn Russell's um, yeah. general. To be, I think I think we just need to accept the fact that Finn Russell plays with a smile on his face, whether he's playing well or badly, and just get overish. Um, the, um, your hands in the rookie, and you've you've you foreshadowed it earlier. Um, yes, yeah, so and it kind of follows on to what you've been saying. Now, um, with the Six Nations on, uh, obviously, you know, if you follow comment sections or never anything, um, you will have seen possibly more offensive and abusive posts that have been uh, put on. Mm-hmm. And one thing that really annoys me, and they've got my hands in the ruck, is that people who then go, oh, it's because the football fans are here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think we should stop with that, because it's, it's kind of petty, snobbish, and also not um, you know, not entirely accurate. You know, all right, fair enough, there's a lot of scummy football fans, but there's been fair enough problems in rugby with fans as well. Um, you know, you're... Uh, Cami, your report article recently about behaviours in rugby, uh, that kind of highlighted it. Um, there's been in Wales particularly uh, we've had you know, the chief of police of uh, Cardiff complaining about Welsh rugby fans, uh, talking about getting banning orders imposed, British Transport Police, we've had homophobia, we've had racism um, mm. you, you know, uh, like John Anderson's uh, rugby forum on Facebook um, yeah. You know, we've we've banned at least two people this week for racist comments. Um, so just to try and say, you know, for people to go, oh, it's just these football fans coming in. I think that's kind of deflecting attention away from the fact that you know we should be calling out the people in the rugby world. And it's not just because I, I happen to like football. I'm a big football fan, but I I, I find it very snobbish um, when people say, oh, it's these yeah. football fans. And it's um it's not appropriate. It's not accurate either. I don't think I don't think I think you're right. I don't think it helps rugby's image either. I mean, Brody and I from the borders originally, and you know, rugby there isn't by no stretch of the imagination a nation an upper class sport. Whereas I think outside of places like the borders, that is how it's perceived. It's a you know, it's it's a public school thing. Yeah, um, and that's how it's, and that's how it's seen in England as well. And I think you know, making comments like "Oh, here come the football fans" comes across as very elitist, and it doesn't necessarily do much to promote the sport to those that don't already follow it so you know th- this isn't the time of year to be sort of coming down hard on on you know for want of a better expression fair weather fans or people that only show an interest in rugby at this time of year it's a chance to sell the sport and try and encourage people yeah. to watch a little bit more outside of the normal six nations window yeah. i mean absolutely i mean you, you know you look at the, the premiership uh, in england football and the you know average attendance is probably 45 60 000. um Sorry, that's a bit of a broad landscape, but uh, you know, like Man United sell out all the time. Whereas, you know, even the biggest rugby teams in England, you know, Saracens, for example, they've got a tiny yeah. stadium. Um, so, you know, we shouldn't be trying to put people off the game of rugby by, by you know, looking down at them. Um, you know, encourage them to to appreciate more about rugby. You know, um, that kind of thing, especially up here, because it's very much a secondary sport to football. It's funny saying about you banning people from racist language because we um, a couple of years ago we had to impose our comment rules on the blog, um, and I drew them up at the time and I made a throwaway one about the not um, we reserve the right to apply Godwin's law, which is the one where it says, 
Oh, the Hitler the point at which, yeah, the one at yeah, the point at which you compare somebody to Hitler, then you've lost the argument, and we'll just shut the discussion down. So I'd put it in as a bit of a throwaway thing, but we we had to invoke it this week. <laughs> it was. It was I just a, saw it that. <laughs> it was about a comment about Duncan, Duncan, Weir. We- Duncan Weir. Yeah, and all of a sudden people are arguing about Hitler on the, <laughs> on the blogs. Um, <laughs> Duncan Weir yeah. found himself in Nuremberg by accident on his way yeah. to Belfast by Worcester. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where they keep him. Maybe that's where they keep Duncan Weir. They keep him in Europe. What's that castle where they kept all the Nazis? Yeah, <laughs> that's um, where they keep. Yeah, that's where okay, they keep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where they keep Duncan Weir until they're ready to deploy him. To Worcester. <laughs> uh, Brody, let's move on quickly. Um, what's had its hands in Europe this week? Um, the advantage rule. Um, I was playing for Stumel 3s on Saturday. I had parochial newsflash. Um, and the referee was given like advantages that ranged from 10 seconds to 3 minutes. Um, and I noticed Nigel Owens doing it the other night in Ulster as well. It's like... Still advantage, still playing advantage, still playing advantage. Like it's it's eight minutes going on the clock here. Well, how long is this advantage going on? You know, and then he'll pull it back for something in the middle. And then on other occasions, he deems the, you know, the the team that's been uh, infringed against to have gotten a sufficient advantage. I just think it's an odd rule, um, and there doesn't seem to be a massive amount of rhyme or reason to the to the length of time um, that a referee will give for it. The, the Glasgow game on Friday, like uh, the Warriors had penalty advantage uh, and just sort of crabbed sideways for a while, and then that's when the the uh, Southern Kings scored their first try from the, the turnover from Hallo Nukunuka. No, it's it'd been maybe five or six phases, and Glasgow had just gone sideways, and then it's yeah. like all right, advantage over, and they yeah. go away and score a try. But it seems to be based on the fact that the referee just thinks, oh, they seem to be getting on with it, it's fine. Also, you sort of see these players that will go and they'll, you know, they're, they're tack- they put this huge defensive effort to stop the other team getting an advantage. And then, you know, that's sort of not roared because it just goes on to the next one and the next one and the next one. You're just thinking everyone's getting really knackered here and you can yeah. see that no one's really going to get any major advantage. Um, and if they do, if there's a sudden, it'll be a kick over the top or a grubber or something, you know, and then call the advantage over. I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I appreciate it's a difficult job refereeing the advantage or refereeing in general, but I just, it, it sticks in my craw a bit. Do you think there would maybe see some kind of rule whereby you say it right? You get five phases. If you don't call advantage before then, advantage is over. Uh, difficult because how do you define a phase I know what you mean uh, I know yeah. you can define a phase but how do you define five? it becomes like that rugby league thing with the tackles you know when's a tackle yeah. not a tackle but it, it's almost like there I should suppose, be a kind of a, a maximum amount of time I suppose the referee could say I suppose it's a case of the referee needs to shout at the scrum half you're about to lose advantage yeah, yeah. Like, like, warning, like, like he does with it or whatever it's like use, use your advantage it. yeah it just you says know, yeah. you're gonna, you, you use your advantage you're going to lose it you know you're about to lose it and then that gives them a chance right we'll kick it up in the air and because the good thing about it is that sometimes you get some uh, like someone will try something mental you know like a cross yeah. field kick or they'll, they'll do something just to try because it's a free ball basically but it's almost like you need to invoke that in them it's just like right okay use it go for it or you know it's over yeah, or call it. You know, if it's someone wants the advantage, doesn't want the advantage. Sometimes you see guys yeah, like done. throw the ball; they'll just do a knock on or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the ball, yeah. and that's yeah. it. You know, it's like, well, just communicate with the ref. Just say, now we don't want the advantage. <laughs> we don't. We don't want to run into you know, whatever, the Edinburgh defensive line for five or six phases. Um, my one. I don't know if either of you have seen uh, my Twitter this week. Um. But the, I made quite a startling discovery um, that Owen Farrell and George Ford fan fiction is a thing. What? No. Yep. God, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it really? Very, very much. Well, like, very, very, very much. Things. Yep. Um, not oh, just oh. It, A lot of it's around Owen Farrell. Uh, there are some uh, Owen Farrell and Lady fan fiction. Um, there's a lot of Owen Farrell and George Ford fan fiction in which they, um, they are lovers. Uh, my favourite one, which um, is on my Twitter f- uh, feed at Cammy Black, if everyone wants to find it, is uh, one in which George Ford turns into a dog every time he gets scared. Well, it would. Um, <laughs> and then. Um, kind of like uh, Cringer and Battlecat and Bastion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then what happens is that um, Owen Farrell 
um, comes along and makes them feel all better. Um, and then they get a bit get a bit of a cuddle on at the end. It's all very sweet. It's lovely stuff. And um, you step away from this being Ali Price and Tony Russell, aren't we? Well, that's that's what that's what prompted me to look at it. That's what prompted me to look for it because um, a friend, or the the guys that do the <laughs> yeah, because the guys that do the regional indie disco um, are always posting fan art of uh, band, just weird fan art of uh, bands. So I thought, well, I wonder if there's something like that for rugby. Um, and what I found was just <laughs> quite disturbing. Um, Pandora's box of nightmares. This is um, this is from a book called Game Day, Owen Farrell. Um, just uh, it was an excerpt. You ready? I can't do the Wigan accent. I'm trying to work out the Wigan accent. Uh, just do it Australian, like I do. I'm got, well, I've got Barry White playing under. I've got I've got Barry White playing under, so I might just try it in a Barry White accent. Thank you, Emma, for such a lovely evening. He said, the streetlights catching his gorgeous features in the light. Thank you too, Owen. I'll see you tomorrow. I replied, meeting his gaze. I turned to walk inside, but his hand reached for my hand and sent lightning bolts up my arm. Wait, he breathed. I know it's only been a few days, but I really need to do this. He tilted my head up, and I just had a chance to close my eyes as his lips met mine. His lips were soft, warm and comforting, and the kiss was gentle and perfect. All too soon he pulled away, and I was left in a state of surprise, but overwhelming happiness. I'm sorry if that was too soon, or... He started, but I quickly cut him off. Oh, and it was perfect. I squeezed his hand slightly and slipped mine from his as I turned and opened the door. See you tomorrow, Owen, I said. Well, there you go. How, how, how are you feeling after that, boys? Oh, uh, remarkably aroused. <laughs> <laughs> Was it written by Joe Marler? <laughs> um, I thought you were going to say, like, when he's like, I closed my eyes. And it's like, and Owen went, bolt up, hit me in the balls and ran off. <laughs> uh, I'll see you tomorrow, you there was there was one um, which uh, in which the author imagines herself as James Haskell's sister, and so her love for Owen Farrell is a forbidden love. <laughs> Jesus wept. So well, the Ali Price and Russell one would be uh, would be them in their flat and then Greed coming in, wouldn't it? It just ruined it all. <laughs> like like local vicar or something, it'd just be all wrong. Um, yeah, so there's, there's there are, there's lots and lots of Owen Farrell fan fiction out there. Who knew? Um, yeah, I'm not going to To be honest, my brother's my brother's best friend. It's called if anyone wants to look for it. Your brother is a professional rugby player. He is James Haskell. When you meet Owen, there's an instant connection. You're meant to be just friends, and you just can't help yourselves. Jesus. Um, there was another one uh, in which at the very start I thought it was going to go very dark very quickly um, where it started out she was Will Greenwood's assistant at BT Sport and I thought oh this is going to get dark quickly um, <laughs> but uh, no the, her love for Will Greenroom, uh, Greenwood remained unfulfilled um, so yeah is that a shame or uh, I don't know how the rest of the story went no that was, uh, it was a shame um oh. She was Johnny Wilkinson's sister in that one. Um, I don't know why they, they have to be sisters. But well, there was it's definitely written by other players as a wind-up. Yeah, there, <laughs> there, was, there was one somewhere, where I can't find it now, where um, she was a Canadian girl and she got called for tryouts in the England team and ended up sharing a room with Owen Farrell. And she gets there and she's like, I'm a girl, I don't play for the women's team. And they're like, no, <laughs> you've got to play scrum half. And then she says, but I'm a forward. But the England coach says, no, you're a scrum half. And she doesn't make the cut, sadly, uh, but Owen comforts her. Well, Quite a lovely story. I mean, if, oh, yeah. if Jade Conkle can move from number eight to front row, I don't see why, you know, this Canadian lad, <laughs> all fiction, um, cannot move to scrum half. And, you know, yeah. Richie Vernon can play anywhere, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, he can play anywhere. Apart um, from uh, Waterboy, it would seem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Reliable. It's the one... It, that is that is Richie Ver. We found Richie Vernon tonight. <laughs> bringing on a tea. He literally had one job. Yeah, he is, nah, not Richie. He's literally, literally worse than the remote control car at Murrayfield. Yes, the grouse. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's brilliant. Um, I think that's it for us. That's a good point as any to end on a bit of Owen Farrell fan fiction. Um, 
we will be back uh, next week to look back at the Calcutta Cup. Um, we've got Rory and Alka covering the match, and hopefully they'll be joining us for the podcast. Um, I am at the match um, as a paying punter. Um, if you see us out and about and recognise us um, off the vagueness of social media, do feel free to come and say hello. Um, if you want to sing a jingle, come along, I'll record you. Um, uh, until then, don't forget to visit the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and we'll read them out. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Ian and Brody. Goodbye. Goodbye.